Hello, listeners. Put your mini with the Union Jack on top of the car park, go into your flat, and brew a cuppa, and get ready to hear all about the TV show that brought British comedy to the United States. What might it be, Governor? Abfab? The Office? Monty Python? Not on your Nelly. It's the saucy, silly, sexist Benny Hill Show on this week's This Was a Thing. was a thing. Brady Bunch, Atari, Deep Throat Roots, and Ted Bundy, Hanoi Jane, Celebrity Bowling. That was a thing. Bobby Fischer, Blackouts, Benny Hill, and Paul, and Danny and Marie, Rich Little, and Billie Jean King. This was a Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are looking at the Benny Hill Show. Ooh. Spoiler. Oh, now, this was a thing because it is one of the first times we see the beginnings of what will become cancel culture even before we knew that cancel culture was a thing. Now, this podcast is not saying that Benny Hill should have been canceled or should not have been canceled. We are going to present it to you in a historical fashion, and you can tell us what you think by calling one 900 Fuck you, Benny. I haven't had a chance to set that up yet. Oh, uh, then just tweet at us, folks. Uh, comedian Benny Hill. Benny Hill is a cherub sent by the devil, as Michael Caine would say, and he was the first to be part of the cancel culture experience. See, Benny Hill was a person whose contributions to the world of television comedy cannot be stressed enough. A giant whose humor was the first to take the medium of television and satirize and parody it in ways that had never, ever been done before. Benny Hill was a comic genius whose entire collection of television appearances was on constant viewings in the home of Charlie Chaplin. Benny Hill was a comedian whose programs were so funny that he was on the screens of 140 different countries. And Benny Hill was a man who, more than Monty Python's Flying Circus, introduced Americans to British comedy. So, why, after 20 years with Thames Television, was Benny Hill unceremoniously canceled and given his walking papers forever from the small screen? Well, to understand that, you have to understand the three Bs. Britain, Benny, and Ben. Oh. First, Britain. The UK has a long tradition of what is known as musical entertainment, which is very much like American burlesque. It's filled with baggy pants comedians, leggy girls, and a plethora of double entendres, set-up punch dialogue, and seaside postcard humor. Here is an explanation of a double entendre. I am a girl that's protesting something, and Ray is a man that's preventing me from getting what I want. So I say, I've got a perfect right. You've got a perfect life. And then there was set up punch, set up punch, set up punch, like in this sketch between a squabbling couple. And another thing. What is the idea of coming home at four o'clock this morning? There was nowhere else to go. (laughs) Could you keep the noise down? Why don't you stop drinking for my sake? I don't drink for your sake. I drink for mine. 
drink so much. It's cheaper than sending you to a beauty parlor. And you haven't emptied the garbage. You empty it. You cooked it. You see? She set him up, and he punched her down <laughs> with some comedy. And finally, seaside postcard humor, which is probably a term that might be unfamiliar to our American listeners. Uh, seaside postcard humor. Um, this is a joke that honestly can just be a cartoon, but it's really being brought to life by the actors in a quick little moment. If you're a New Yorker cartoon fan, right? You think of the image, and then you think of a funny little caption underneath. That's all you need. Seaside postcard humor is going to bring that to life. So in this one, I want you to picture... Benny Hill as a doctor, and there's a female patient waiting for her results from said doctor. And you can imagine that, honestly, as a drawing, the woman is standing there, the man's in the doctor's coat, talking to her, and underneath will be captioning. But instead of writing the captioning, you'll hear the dialogue. you've not got Asian flu. <laughs> you've got Egyptian flu. You're going to be a mummy. <laughs> It's a clean joke. It's a good joke. Okay, right? And there is no one who embodied this type of humor, the the bodiness, the the uh, setup, setup punch, the seaside postcard humor more than the wonderful young man by the name of Benny Hill. Now, he was actually born Alfred Hill in England in uh, 1924 at a time when music hall houses were just about everywhere. Now, his father, he was shy, he was chubby, he was unlucky with friends and with women. He was me. So Benny, Benny is a young boy. He went through various jobs from salesperson to delivery boy, but seeing like dumpy men surrounded by beautiful women at, at these like music hall shows and they were getting laughter and praise and love for it that seemed to be like a natural fit for benny and against his parents wishes he entered the world of entertainment where he was billed quote as the comedian with a personality like sunshine <laughs> that's actually how he was billed on posters alfred hill the comedian with personality like sunshine <laughs> when he gets on stage there's a problem he's horrible he's incredibly bad on stage he hated being on stage he finds out uh, and he's consumed with fright he would vomit before and after the shows and worse than this the audience just sat there and didn't laugh and they would give him that slow clap yep and it was almost as if like his energy was too small for any stage that he appeared on Luckily, the army intervened. He went off to, to go fight. And it was while he was in the army that he met his agent-to-be, a guy named Richard Stone. And Richard Stone was like, actually, I think you can be good. You just need to find, like, the right world for you. Take it from me, Dick Stone. <laughs> Take it from me, Dick Stone. <laughs> they all they all sound like fat bastards. <laughs> Take it from me. Um, and, and Dick Stone uh, began pushing... Benny Hill out into the world because he's like, you can't call yourself Alfred Hill. You need a different name. And so Benny Hill picked Benny after Jack Benny, his favorite comedian. Rochester. His name was Rochester Hill. And one of the places that Richard Stone pushed him to was an audition for the most popular comedian in post-war England, a gentleman by the name of Reg Varney. And Reg was looking for like a stooge or a sidekick. And uh, Richard Stone sent, uh, there were two people Two people who went over to apply for this job. Benny Hill was one of them. The other person that auditioned with Benny Hill to be Reg Varney's sidekick that did not get the job? Peter Sellers. Really? Yeah, Peter Sellers. So huh. Hill plays Reg's stooge for a while, but he really wants to be Reg. He wants to be the star. And so he's given his own act 
and the act just bombs. Of course. When he's in character and he's working with Reg, the audience loves him. They love this character that he's created. They love the writing that he's created. But when he's himself, when he's not in a character and he's just plain old Benny, the audience hates him. They just don't like this guy for whatever reason. And he comes off as very nice. So I think it's because he's small. He's awkward. He feels insecure up there. So he leaves the tour dejected, but he's like, I'm going to go focus on my writing for a bit. And he takes one summer. And over the summer, he just sits in his mom's garden and he writes hundreds of sketches, hundreds of sketches. And in 1951, he brings them over to a guy named Ronnie Waldman. And Ronnie Waldman is the head of light entertainment at the BBC comedy programming. Of course. And you all know BBC is a network over in England. Remember, television is new in the early 1950s, especially in England. Most people didn't buy one. They only really bought one. I think when the queen was coronated or when, or oh, when, wow. or, or the queen got married, that was like what prompted people to go out and buy televisions. It's crazy. It took so long. It took a really, really long time. Up until that point, it was just like a shoebox that they would put different <laughs> drawings in. What's on the telly today? Oh, another still picture. <laughs> oh, lovely. What is it? Me? Mom? Seaside? Oh, nice. It's been on for two years now. Yeah. It's a serial. Now, Benny had been reaching out to this guy like years previously. And so he, there's two stories on this. One is that this guy, Ronnie Waldman, was just like, fine, I'll take a meeting with you. Just leave me alone. Then there's a story that Benny Hill like barged into his office, right? I believe that one. Either way, somehow Benny Hill ends up in Ronnie Waldman's office. And he says to he says to Ronnie Waldman, he goes, I brought something with me. And he pulls out a shoebox. And in the shoebox is hundreds of sketches. And he says, listen, I want to prove to you that they're all good, that I didn't just put the best ones on top. He's like, I'm going to flip through the sketches. And when you say stop, I'm going to stop and I'll read whatever you've picked. And so Ronnie's like, okay, great, do it. So they flip, stop, he pulls one out. Okay, and he's like, here, here you go. I'm going to read the sketch to you. So the sketch was about a guy trying to operate like, operate like a conveyor belt system in a tea shop. That's the sketch, right? And so Benny does the whole sketch for him. He acts out all the parts. He does the physical comedy. All Benny's trying to do is get a job as a writer. He's, sure. just, he's just showing him this is what I can do. And at the end of the sketch, Waldman looks at him and goes, so who do you think can like do these sketches? Like who is this material meant for? And before Benny Hill could be like, Reg Varney or... Terry Thomas or Peter Sellers. Waldman said, you know, you're the only one that can do these. What are you doing next Thursday? Would you like your own show? <laughs> and that's how Benny Hill gets a television show. Just like that. The guy's like, what are you doing next, next Thursday? Thursday? Do you want your own show? Wow. And in 1951, Benny had his first show. It was called Hi There. And the show was a hit with audiences and critics. And the critics said, quote, mark down Benny Hill among the future television favorites wow and so soon like he was doing more television shows more specials he did a, cu a couple of films every once in a while like if you've ever seen chitty chitty bang bang he's in that oh that's right he is in chitty chitty he's bang in the bang. italian job okay all of that stuff was what he was doing but television was the first love and he knew that it was a new medium and he could dominate it and what seemed really small on stage that never got past the footlights was perfect for the television cameras. Yep. All of his like leers, they called him King Lear, L-E-E-R. All of his little glares, the eyebrow raises, the sly smiles, they were picked up and everyone goes, oh my God, this guy is so funny. But an audience back in the music hall couldn't get that close to him 
to watch him work. Yeah. So he he's doing this for most of the 50s and for most of the 60s. But by the late 60s, he wanted a change and he wanted some more freedom over his material. So he went over to a new network called Thames Television, which did not make the people over at BBC very happy because they're like, why are you walking away from us? But when BBC was like the biggest. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. And so Thames was like, we'll take you. And we'll give you more freedom and more money, and we won't get too involved with what you're doing. And so on November 19th, 1969, he launched his first actual The Benny Hill Show. And these programs, it's interesting, unlike variety television shows in the United States where it's like they do it every week, Benny Hill would only do an hour-long special maybe five or six times a year. Oh, okay. And while the directors and producers would change, there was one thing that was always constant that still amazes me. This man, you have to remember, from 1951 to about 1989 is never off British television. And in every single special that he ever did, any episode he ever did, he wrote everything. Oh, wow. There was no other writers with him. He wrote Every sketch, which is, a, I mean, that yeah, was his, that's his life was being a writer and he would have final say on everything. And even like I said, there were other directors. The unofficial word was that Benny was really the director and that the other person was just sort of there. But Benny was the one who would control the cameras. How far back do you want to go cut away here? He'd have final say over everything. And so give this guy this much power was incredible. Now, one of the things that's interesting about Benny Hill is, and I think you see this, is he's afraid of having an audience. He's nervous with audiences. And so, like, if he's rehearsing in the TV studio and a stranger walks in, he's like, I can't rehearse till that person leaves. Oh, wow. He's like, he's, he likes to surround himself with people he knows. So his supporting cast, because he needs people to play off of, literally are with him from the beginning all the way to the end. No matter how old they got, he always kept them couple of people, if you've ever seen a Benny Hill show, which is harder and harder to do nowadays, and we'll talk about why in a bit, there's a straight man, a guy named Henry McGee, who's very funny. There was a guy named Bob Todd, and he was this big oafish man who often played like the shrewish wife in drag. And there was a guy named John John Keefe. He was the juvenile who looked 45. <laughs> uh, and then there were various character women that would cycle through, like Rita Webb, who was my absolute favorite she was my absolute favorite she looked like this little gnome person uh, a woman named bella emberg who looked like a taller gnome and a lovely lady named anna dawson but there was one man oh, who was the on best. the benny hill show part of the supporting cast that was even more recognized than benny hill and his name was little jackie wright jackie wright was four foot eleven in his early 70s spoke in a thick Irish accent that nobody could understand, including people from Ireland, and was as bald as bald can be. If you're <laughs> familiar with the Benny Hill show, he was the little old man that would often be the punching bag for one of Benny's characters. Benny would just smack him on the head repeatedly to get him to move from stage right to stage left or wherever Benny wanted him to go. Now, for, for those of you who've, who've never seen the Benny Hill show, I'll try to like condense what these shows were as best as possible. Each episode always started with a few quickies, then a musical number. Quickies being three to four second little sketches just to get you in the mood. You know, oh, yeah. then a musical number. And the musical number, by the way, folks, was always written by Benny Hill. Yes, he oh. composed his own music as well. And it cannot be stressed enough that once again this is one person one person who is writing all the music writing all the sketches 
directing the show pre- pretty much and thinking of comedy in different ways that nobody had ever thought before. Some people are like, oh, Monty Python. Monty Python was a whole team of people. This is one man. Or you could think of like early pioneers of television, like there's Sid Caesar and 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 Red Buttons and <laughs> Red Skelton and Milton Burrow. Not Red, Red Burrow. And Red and Red Burrow. Um they all had teams. Everyone had teams. This is a guy who's doing absolutely everything. Okay. So then there'd be an unending succession of sketches, shorts, character interviews. He did lots of characters. He would always have on a guest singer and dancer. And of course, the ending of the show is probably what Benny Hill is most famous for. No matter what would happen, every episode ended the same way. There would be a Keystone Cops chase where Benny would screw something up and he would be chased by the entire cast through the streets all to the tune of James Rich and Boots Randolph's hit song, Yakety Sax. Now, let's talk about these sketches. This is hard to do without showing them to you, so I will try to describe them to the best of my ability. Benny Hill understood television, the medium of television, better than any other comedian until that point, and I also think since. He stretched the boundaries of what television could do. So if he did a parody of a game show, which was an actual like television show that people would see in England, he not only played the host, he played the contestant, all four panelists sharing a four split screen, and the audience. He was using split screen technologies, which had never been on, seen on TV like this before. He would mock TV's overutilization of freeze frames, rewinds, issues with delayed transmissions. One of, one of the funniest sketches I love is, I'll play a little bit of it for you. In this one, Benny's in drag. Because at that, you have also you have to remember at this time uh, in England, it's, they didn't let women act. They didn't let women act in the 1970s. I don't know who this Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith are, but they just didn't let women act. So I don't know where you're getting this information. He plays a woman who's being interviewed, and there's a delay in the transmission, which happens all the time on television. So she ends up answering the previous question that's being asked so the question and answers just don't line up do you still get the tv times what's it like being married to a 70 year old vicomte well i don't get it as often as i used to (laughs) i i used to look forward to thursday mornings the postman's visit, but but when I do get it, I think of you, Alan. <laughs> and all my friends at Thames Television, happy days they were. So what are the logical questions you could ask her that would have odd answers to the question before? I mean, this takes so much planning, and no one had ever thought of that before, because you were never supposed to acknowledge you were on TV. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm going to make fun of that. I'm going to make fun of, like I said, freeze frames, split screens, and the sketches brilliantly parodied commercials of the time, outtakes from movies, and he usually, for the 70s, always started off with the thing called when things go wrong section, where it would be like little bloopers and, and outtakes that he had manufactured himself. I don't think there's three or four seconds that go by on a Benny Hill show where he's not making a joke. But he had, so he had all these different sketches, but he has two characters that become synonymous with the Benny Hill show and British comedy. The first... 
I don't know if we could really do today. The first character is a guy named Chow Mein, and he's a Chinese entrepreneur whose mastery of the English language was not quite strong. And he spoke in such a thick accent, it made communication with others tricky. No. Remember, it's a different time, but it is part of his legacy. Here is uh, Benny Hill as Chow Mein, who has just been hired to be a butler for the evening at a fancy dinner party. Mr. Chow Mein, handyman. In what way are you handy? I riff round the corner. <laughs> but it doesn't mention manservant or waiter. Have you waited a table before? Yeah, I a good waiter. And valet? Valet! Valet good waiter, yes! <laughs> and of course, that would never fly today. But the character of his that still remains a favorite in England is a character by the name of Fred Scuttle. Uh, Fred Scuttle was an overly confident but not very bright man who ends up being put in charge of the most interesting things. He wore wire-rimmed glasses, a doorman's hat that was cocked to the side, and would always give a British salute. And the Scuttle salute became one of the most recognizable things in England. And if you did it, people knew you were a Benny Hill fan. Here is uh, astronaut Fred Scuttle being interviewed by Henry McGee. We are going into the outer reaches of the solar plexus where the Andoff man has never set foot in that indestructible the second. Well, what happened to indestructible the first? It fell apart. Once again, groaning. Old joke, but funny. And it's important to note that Benny's popularity in the early 70s grew for a few reasons, including the fact that they compiled the best sketches from the first few years of his show into a movie, as well as having his own song, Ernie, the fastest milkman in the West, be one of the most popular songs of the era. You could hear the offense pound as they raced across the ground. And the clatter of the wheels as they spun round and round. And he galloped into Market Street, his badge upon his chest. His name was Ernie, and he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. Yes, that's what people listen to. Oh, my God. That's insane. By the late 1970s, 21.1 million people in England were tuning in to Benny Hill. Jeez. And his yearly salary was in the millions. And he was the face of comedy more so than that weird Monty Python stuff. Because Monty Python was a head intellectual. You had to be smart to understand it. Benny, you could watch with the sound down. So Benny just appealed to more people. Hey, friends. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app. Click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner. Click Go to Show. Scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money. And in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T. 
R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Now, if you had to pick a year in the life of Benny Hill, a year that was the most significant, it would have to be 1979. That's the year that Benny finally found a restaurant that made a perfect curry. No, it was the year... No, it was the year he would meet two men. One would build him a ladder to international success, and the other man would unknowingly burn the ladder to the ground. Oh, no. I know, right? The man who gave Benny Hill international success was an American man, a producer, by the name of Don Taffner, probably best known for Three's Company. Philadelphia's WTAF. What the actual fuck? What the actual fuck? uh, Was a network in Philadelphia that was struggling with programming. And Don Taffner approached them and said, hey, how about putting on Benny Hill? Now, you have to remember, nobody in America knew who the fuck Benny Hill was. But Taffner, who was American, had been over to England so many times and had seen him. He was like, I think there could be something here. Now, this was not the first time that Benny Hill tried to cross over into the United States. But every time stations were approached, they would look at his TV programs and say, it looks like shit. Because it was filmed, you know... It, it's the lighting is flat. The sets are flat. It yeah. doesn't have any artistic visual quality. Sure. And they said, no one's going to understand a word of this British stuff. Actually, which is so funny. It's the kind of the same approach that disc jockeys had when they were asked to play Beatles music for the first time, which is no one's going to understand these, this British stuff. So Taffner had a pretty brilliant idea. He was like, what if we take over like a hundred hours of material that Benny Hill had amassed at Thames television since 1969 all the way up to 1979. He says, instead of making them an hour, let's cut them down to 30 minutes. We're going to remove all the guest stars. We'll remove anything that's like too British in jokey. And we'll do mostly his silent work. And we'll present it that way in syndicated markets. Yeah. So so he says, we're not doing the whole show. We're going we're gonna to chop it up. We're going to Americanize it. And kind of brilliantly, instead of taking like one episode... And being like, let's cut this one episode down to 30 minutes. He pulls sketches from all the 10 years and puts them together in one episode. So it's kind of weird because like in one episode, Benny will be skinny, skinny, and then he'll be 10 years older and heavier. And then he goes back to being skinny, skinny and 10 years younger. So starting January 8th, 1979 at 11 p.m., WTAF played through these episodes five nights a week. And the demand for more programming of Benny Hill was so great. It was also then put in the 7 o'clock slot as well. So you'd see him at 7 and at 11. And pretty soon, other networks wanted it too. And Benny was becoming the face of British comedy in the United States. Remember, Monty Python fans, they were really only being seen on PBS, which was the thinking person station. Now, the show that Americans were watching... Harken back to the easy times of like Jackie Gleason and Dean Martin and Milton Berle and audiences and critics just ate him up. There was nothing cynical in any of this stuff. He was a clown whose optimism was not mired in all the like sadness of American comedy in the late 70s. T-shirts, bumper stickers and door hangers that said, do not disturb. We are watching Benny Hill flooded the United States. And the, the amount of celebrities who praised him was unending. Ready for this list? John Lennon, Greta Garbo, Clint Eastwood, Michael Jackson, Mickey Rooney, Jack Lemmon, Liza Minnelli, Burt Reynolds, and Frank Sinatra. All anyone wanted to do was either watch Benny or meet Benny Hill. 
Now we're going to meet the other man in Benny's life, the one who burns the ladder to the ground. And his name is Dennis Kirkland. Kirkland was once Benny Hill's warm-up man who would warm up this, this TV studio audience before the show. And he was a good but not a great director of television. And Kirkland and Benny were a very, very tight unit. And Benny relied quite heavily on Dennis Kirkland and, like a good actor, trusted his director. But where other directors and producers were able to keep the emphasis on, like, Benny and Benny's brilliance, Kirkland wanted to focus somewhere else. The girls. So beautiful women in various states of naughty clothing, that's just like shorter skirts and lower cut cleavage, had always been a staple of the Benny Hill show. It had always been a staple of British comedy. And the women on the show used to dance to various like 1970s dance routines that you would see on just about like any variety show of that era. Nothing scandalous, nothing, you know. And the women that were on the show for the most part were very strong entertainers. People that had like pretty big careers after Benny Hill, like Louise English, Sue Upton, Jenny Lee Wright. And for a, a hot second, uh, Jane Leaves who played Daphne on Frasier was a uh, Benny Hill yes, girl she for was. a little bit. And when Kirkland took over, suddenly the girls ended up doing more and more and their clothing was becoming less and less. And these girls were given the name of Hill's angels, like Hill street blues, like Hill street blues, like Charlie's angels. And soon, you would watch the show and you'd see like sketches of Benny, but a lot of the time seemed to be focusing on these girls wearing two-piece bikinis, thongs, negligees. They were always now engaged in like intimate dancing with one another, like girls stripping one another and girls touching one another. And the camera shots, like they were now like from under the legs or like looking down at the breasts. And the whole thing, because you also have to remember at this time, Benny's getting older He's getting into his 50s, 60s. He's putting on some weight. He's graying. And suddenly it's not so cute or innocent anymore. It's like a dirty old man. Yeah. It's like this dirty old man. Um, and it kind of becomes like lecherous. Like there's a difference, I think, between like 20-year-old Benny like doing a double take at seeing a girl in a short skirt and then watching this old lecherous man like sitting there drooling watching a woman in a short skirt. Because the women didn't age. Benny just aged. And when American television began editing these dances out of the of the show, because they were like, we don't really need these dances. They don't do anything for the show, and we don't want to deal with censorship. In fact, the South was, didn't play Benny Hill a lot in their markets. The South was like, we can't put this on. It's too controversial. <laughs> Either Dennis Kirkland and Benny Hill or Benny Hill, but I kind of have a feeling it was just Dennis Kirkland. They weren't too pleased that the women were being cut out. And they began integrating these dances into the sketches so they couldn't be removed. You couldn't remove a dance without removing the entire sketch. So one of the most iconic ones, and this is the one that got him in a lot of trouble, was there's a gym slash pool sketch where like Benny and the boys go through various sketches around the gym. Like someone's drowning and they take the O in the word pool and they throw that into the, the swimming pool to get the guy. Or there's a French guy that's drowning and because they're British, they don't want to help the French guy. It's, a, it's, it's a silly stuff, silly stuff. But it'll be like guy drowning, girls touching each other. Guy eating health food, girls touching each other, going back and forth. And then there's this one section where I'm like, I remember watching this as a kid and I was like, I feel like I should shut this off before my parents come in. There's uh, parallel bars and it's women in two-piece bikinis jumping over the parallel bar in slow motion and then landing spread eagle on the floor and the camera is looking directly at their crotch in slow motion. 
and you're just it's, it's like porn it's like where it's like where is he being like the old crazy man or like where is he being the guy who doesn't know how to go to customs like why are we watching these naked women touching each other it's like it's like how like if you were to rewatch Porky's, you'd be like, oh, that is a, uh, there's no humor in that. And when there was criticism, Kirkland and Hill both kept saying the same thing. They were like, well, what you're seeing here is no different than what you were seeing in TV shows and movies. But at least in like TV shows and movies, it, it, it's, uh, it's not gratuitous. This is gratuitous. And maybe, maybe they would have gotten away with it had Hill's comedy not been maybe sharp as it once was, but it was really getting to be subpar. I think one of the things we sort of forget is, yes, he was a genius. He was absolutely brilliant. And he probably was not thinking in terms of like, oh, there'll be repeats someday or there'll be reruns. So like every year or so, he would recycle the same jokes and the same sketches. And then when you started to like become really familiar with his work, you're like, they're making the same exact joke that they made last time. And while he was able to like really make fun of TV and parody TV in the 70s, in the 80s, he just sort of like, gave up and it was really all about how many like naked women can and there was never any nudity nudity on the show but it was always like they are practically naked at this point now i will say in the 80s there were some really really nice sketches that he did that are actually really there's a brilliant one where he plays a clown who does a strip tease and not only does he strip off all of his clothes he then strips off his skin so the only thing that's left is a skeleton and then he strips his bones away it's kind of genius. Huh. You watch it and you're like, it's really good. He does a parody of Dallas where he plays all the characters. Then there's a very sweet sketch where he plays a, a clown that's homeless and he falls asleep on a park bench under an advertisement of a woman and he imagines that the woman comes to life and he dances with the woman and then goes back to his sad life as a clown. Those, those brilliant moments of his are so few and far between because it's literally just like, and now here are the girls naked running around and you're like oh my god you you could be so good so good he started to not look healthy like i said the rest of the cast all started to look old and there was nothing like the brilliance that he had been seen previously so either like benny hill wasn't being pushed by dennis kirkland or kirkland was saying yeah benny this is the way that we should go there just didn't seem to be anyone anymore to say to be like hey can we get back to the brilliant pantomimes and characters that you're known for why is it always like old man Benny and women running suntan like lotion on one another? Like what, where are we? And now here's a couple of things that don't help. The idea of pervy Benny then began to circulate in all of Britain's tabloids. So basically when the Royals were on vacation, they would go to Benny and they all pushed the idea that he was creepy and eccentric. Here are some of the things that were said about him in the tabloids. Are you ready? Now remember folks, I just want to remind you, Benny Hill never married. Benny Hill never married. He was he was a single man his whole life and never was really associated with any sort of, you know, gal. Gal. Here were the here were the rumors in all the tabloids, ready? He was gay. He was a frequent client of massage parlors. He would make the girls sleep with him before they could be a Hills Angel. He was petrified of sex and only let women masturbate or blow him. And when he was with a woman, he would wear rubber gloves during any intimacy with a woman. He was a multimillionaire who lived in a sad flat and only ate takeaway and carried his belongings in a grocery bag. He had bad hygiene. He never laundered his clothes. And he only had two girlfriends in his life, and they both had cerebral palsy. And except for him being gay, those were all true. Huh, so he was eccentric. He was eccentric. The one thing they have not been able to prove is that he was gay. So when the public attacks you and the newspapers attack you, it kind of goes with the territory. But when a peer attacks you, it's unprecedented. 
Remember I said there was Britain and Benny? Now I wanted you to meet Ben. In the 1980s, as the UK was going through its political revolution with Maggie Thatcher, who was brilliant as Minerva McGonagall, <laughs> comedy was going through its own revolution, inspired by the absurdity of Monty Python and a sense of rebellion against old school conservative ideas, which is really what Margaret Thatcher was representing. So emerging from this period were folks like Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry, Emma Thompson, Robbie Coltrane, French and Saunders, Rowan Atkinson. But really leading the pack as a writer for all of these folks was a comedian by the name of Ben Elton. And when you think of Ben Elton, think John Oliver. He looks just like John Oliver. Ben Elton's work was satirical and jagged, and he would knock down British institutions and monarchies in such shows as The Young Ones, if you ever saw The Young Ones, or Black Adder, which put Rowan, Mr. Bean Atkinson on the map. The disparity between Hill's style of comedy and Elton's style of comedy is night and day. It's like putting John Oliver next to Mr. Bean. And while, while comics have the same goal in mind to make an audience laugh, there's an unspoken rule that comedians do not publicly criticize other comedians, right? That's why I never say anything about you. Publicly. Publicly. But Ben Elton doesn't really abide by that rule. And in a stirring defense of UK shows like The Singing Detective, which was being targeted by the House of Commons as offensive for their mature and sexual themes, there was a bill being proposed to censor those shows, dramas that feature sure. a lot of sex and violence. And Ben Elton says it's not those shows that need to be pulled off the air. It's the staple of British television. It's Benny Hill that does more harm than any of these other shows. Why isn't he going off the air? Here is Ben Elton in April of 1986. While there is going through Parliament a bill which is to stop salacious obscenity on the television. Now, of course, we all support that. No one, I think, in this room, I hope, would want to have salacious obscenity on the television. But what is obscenity? What is this bill concentrating on? What are their examples? Are they talking about Benny Hill tearing women's clothes off at the end of the show and chasing them around the shop? Are they talking about racist gags on early evening comedy? Are they talking about Miss England beauty contest? No! They're talking about the singing detective and the monocle mutineer. Isn't that marvellous? We're being protected. I think that if they're really worried about obscenity, they should worry about real obscenities. I mean, while Ben Hill's chasing the girls around the car park, there's girls who are scared to walk out at night after dark because there's no street light. Wow. And uh, here he is again on another talk show. I believe there should be censorship. I, there's lots of things on telly that offend me. I mean, you know, like when a comedian can end every single program tearing off a woman's clothes and then chasing her around a park in her, in her underwear, like uh, that, for me, in a world where women can't even walk safe in the parks, is, is pretty, pretty worrying. Well, what do you think of these hands? Basically, what he's saying is the reason that women are so afraid to walk in a park and the reason why sex crime numbers are going up is because they're seeing Benny Hill on television. Now, what he's really saying is, is old comedy is racist and old comedy is sexist and we have to move past that. And to do that, we really need to move past Benny Hill. And by doing this, he's kind of advocating for political correctness in comedy. And this is the first time that we're really starting to have this discussion. What is funny? What is not funny? What's offensive? What's not offensive? So Ben Elton fires the first bullet into Benny Hill's career in the late 80s. And it's so funny because pretty much for the rest of his life, Ben Elton will be known as the man who ruined Benny Hill. And because he's on television saying that Hill is the reason for sexual assaults going up, how do you argue with that? And now the criticism really starts to mount. There was a woman named Mary Whitehouse. Um, she was this fascinating woman in England, and she led the TV censorship 
Brigade. And she said, quote, Benny's dancers are going too far. There's a scene where a girl licked a lollipop in a way which has obscene connotations. Now, you know this old woman is sitting there, you know. Fanning herself. Oh, fanning herself, please. She's got a vibrator the shape of Queen Victoria. Well, that's what I meant by fanning herself. Uh, Then there's the Festival of Light, which is... England's equivalent of our like moral majority. And they say, there is no reason why Mr. Hill should project this nauseating stuff into the nation's living rooms. Then there is the female delegates at the Trades Union Conference, who in 1986 said, quote, the reality of many women's lives is that they actually live in fear of sexual violence, and it's not a laughing matter. Colin Shaw, the director of the British, the Broadcasting Standards Council, then the defense of Hill started to pour out, but it seemed to like somewhat miss the point because what they're saying is, and what like Dennis Kirkland kept saying was, he goes, well, Benny's being chased by the girls at the end of the program. He's not chasing them. Now, that is a true statement. Mm -hmm. That is a true statement. But what about the 58 minutes of comedy (laughs) before that chase? And why... Are they chasing him? He must have done something exact to a- exactly chase him off. Let me set the scene because I think this would have been a better example for them to use that they just didn't. Let me set the scene. This is a disheveled woman in the old west, and she's tied to a tree. And Benny, as the sheriff, approaches her. This is that sketch. Oh God, help me! Help me! Oh well, God! Miss Abigail, my God, what's happened? Oh, sheriff, it was horrible. It was them Comanches. They were eating them. Oh, Eat God, them. it was awful. Oh, my God. Horrible. Miss Abigail, <laughs> this just ain't your day, is it? And then Benny takes off his pants to take advantage of the woman tied to the tree. I will say this is the only instance I ever found of a joke like this, but there were countless scenes where, like, Doctors, police officers, firemen, etc., would always attempt to have sex with women in distress. So, yes, the statement that, oh, you know, he chases them around at the end, everyone's like, no, he doesn't do that. They chase him. Yeah, that's correct. But what about the 58 minutes before that chase? And Benny tried to, like, then soften his show to reflect the criticism, which stung him deeply. He was so hurt that everyone was turning their back on him, uh, probably because I think in his mind they were equating the lecherous character to the man himself, who, for the most part, didn't seem like that hor- You know what I mean? I think he had a lot of issues with women. And for him to, for them to, like, point out this is what you're doing, I'm sure he took very personally. So he added something in the late 80s called Hill's Little Angels, which were a group of little children all collected from the angels themselves or his production staff to make the show more family-friendly. There was also a lot less women in pornographic music videos, and the comedy went back to a lot more of the verbal humor that Hill could do kind of brilliantly. Then after three years of airing one of his shows, he was called in to see John Howard Davies, who was the head of Light Entertainment now at Thames. Benny was called in, first and then a few minutes later dennis kirkland was also called in to join benny for a quick little meeting here's dennis recounting the meeting 10 o'clock one morning went into the outer office and and john came out and said oh do you mind if dan if i have a word with ben i said no not at all they went in and about a minute later john came out and so and i went in and ben was sitting in the corner ashen and i just said hey how are you it's fine and john was sort of making small talk and ben said you can tell him, you know, he's a big grown-up lad. And he said, I said, what's the problem? And he said, I don't want to do any more Benny Hills. And that was it. Ben was 
I mean, he was murdered. It was, he, they'd taken away his child. It's like losing your own child. That's how much the show meant to him. And that was it for Benny Hill, the man whom Thames Television had literally just said was the crown jewel in their programming. A man whose face was the face of British comedy. A man who made that network millions and millions and millions and millions of British pounds, not dollars, was told to pack up his toys and go home after 20 years. Thames said the decision was taken because of falling ratings. The show, at its peak, had 21 million viewers, and the last episode had 9 million. However, it remained one of the top 10 most watched shows across the whole ITV network and was still one of the UK's top TV exports continuing to air in over 100 countries. And Hill said, I don't mind them sacking me, but I did expect a bit more of a pat on the back after all I'd been there for 20 years. So he's there for 20 years. And regardless, literally a minute, in a minute say, we don't want you anymore. I I can't even imagine. Now, no matter how Hill wanted to reinvent himself, it it was clear that the, the cheeky, naughty boy comedy had to give way to a new brand of comedy. So a new comedy coming in is observational humor. It's cynical. It's sarcastic wordplay. Women being chased and objectified and being the butt of the joke, as well as Hill playing characters in blackface or squinting his eyes to play Mr. Chow Min, was not acceptable. And with that gone, all you had was the physical comedy, and even the physical comedy was looking slow as Benny had aged and put on a ton of weight. But it only seemed to be his home country that didn't want him anymore because the rest of the world still wanted Benny. So Don Taffner wasn't going to give up the money-making machine that was the Benny Hill show. So he constructed the idea of doing a Benny Hill's world tour where they would film hour-long shows on location in various cities. And the first would be New York. New York. Okay. So not bad. He gets canceled in 89, and by 91, 92, he's working again. So the first one's in New York, and they cut one sketch uh, in which Benny dropped a coin and a man comes by and picks up the coin and puts it in his pocket. Who was that man? Uh, Robert Loggia. Donald Trump. Really? Yes, but it was cut. And then Benny returned back to London where he planned to keep doing the Don Taffner around the world things. And a new series was being offered to him by another network, which would basically just be a reboot of the Benny Hill show. The Henny Bill show. The Henny Bill show. And the unsigned contracts for his new show were found next to his body on April 20th, 1992 he died of a heart attack contracts unsigned but next to him the televisions on around him and a few nights after his death uh, ben elton went on a talk show uh and when the host was like you know you were the one that got benny hill fired Ben Elton backpedaled pretty fast. The Thames did decide to drop him, and it was because of a climate of criticism of the Benny Hill show, some of it uh, justifiable criticism, but... Uh, I would imagine... Which you were part of, weren't you? Well, in one conversation, but uh, a very, a very, very small part. And to find myself named solely and singly as a representative of some kind of yeah. politically correct generation. I mean, what, what I do, I allow my work, I hope, to speak for itself. I very rarely comment on other comedians. That was one occasion. Yeah. It was a wide discussion about Carry On, Benny Hill, etc. God, the times... Oh, my my God, what a little punk. Mr. Elton, whether you agree with it or not, equated that the reason that violence against women was increasing in London was because of Benny Hill. So now to be like, oh, no, I didn't say, you know, I said it. One, he, we have more than one instance of him 
saying it. So great work, Mr. Elton. And following his death, Thames, which refused to air any of his shows since they canceled him, had to give in the public demand and they returned the shows back to the rotation. The passing of Benny Hill was also the passing of a burlesque school of comedy. Yet, like the Marx Brothers, the Three Stooges, and Arrested Development, would a new generation come along to re-examine Benny Hill and say, oh my gosh, this person is so funny. More on that in a minute, Gav! This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Mr. Hill, I'm so happy we can meet today. And please excuse how long it took for me to schedule you. Uh, Being the head of BBC's children's programming is a much busier job than one might think. Quite all right. I understand you've written 50 or so fairy tale adaptations for our young viewers. I have, and and to show that the the best work isn't on top and, and I haven't stacked the deck, I will flip through the stack. And when you say stop... I will read whatever sketch I have there. So here we go. I'm going to start flipping now. Stop. Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down, ripped off Jill's knickers, and chased around the woods until he snapped her pink garters. Mr. Mr. Hill, let's try another. Of course, of course. Ah, yes, little Miss Muffet. Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet, and by tuffet I mean me face, and as she writhed on me cherubic nose, she took a hold of me meat and two veg. Mr. Hill, Mr. I just don't think this is going to work out. Play one one more chance, please, Mr. Withers. I, I really want to bring humor with a U to the children of Britain. Very well. As long as it's clean. It is, sir. It is. It is. Uh, Mary had a little lamb, and was her doctor surprised? Thank you. This was a sketch. Benny's straight man, Henry McGee, said in the early 1990s that Britain has a fear of success. And that's why Benny was taken down. The fact that he could be seen everywhere around the world except in his own country was clearly a sign of that. Others will say that he was taken off the air because his idea of comedy had transitioned into a world where people would be disgusted or offended, and it was better to keep him off the air for those reasons. Whether you agree that he should be removed or he should have stayed on the air, Benny Hill was the first comedian to be canceled for his comedy. They say fired, we say canceled. They say disgusted. We now say triggered. They said good for the country to keep him off. We now say woke. The terms might have changed, but the story has not. And we now see that Benny Hill is the first in a long line of comedians who have been stopped, not because of their offstage behavior, like a Roseanne, but because of their comedy. Maybe somebody like Kathy Griffin. Could Benny Hill be a thing again? Probably not. Because the more you filter an episode for its triggering content, the less you have. You'd have to remove all of his objectification of women, and then you'd have to remove all of the appropriation of cultures, and then you'd have to remove all of the outdated references. And by the time you were done, you'd have a handful of material to show. And the show is not playing in the United States, nor can you get it on any streaming platforms. I kind of have a feeling that the release of these 
would be explosive. If Disney Plus puts up a warning before The Muppet Show, I feel like this would need a fucking novel. <laughs> the disclaimer would be longer than yeah. the actual show. Yeah. There are a few sketches you can watch, and we'll put some of those on our social media, that I still think work. Anything with the kids is fine. His pantomimes, where he's falling in love with the ad, the clown striptease, and two of my favorites, which still make me laugh, that aren't panto, but actually verbal comedy. One is called Wife Swap, which is still very funny. And one called Sale of the Half Century, which is a clean parody of a really shitty game show. And to be clear, the man as a writer was a genius. He took television in directions no one had imagined. His visual sense was so forward and so brilliant that I don't think anyone has used the medium to their advantage in the same way as Benny Hill. It's fascinating to me that someone so antiquated in their humor could have been so forward thinking in their method of delivering it. And when I was younger, like everybody else, thought Benny Hill was really funny. And now I will say it's hard to watch because you you lit- you feel like your asshole tense up and you're like, what is happening on this screen right now? There are some times, I will be honest with you, where I am watching and I will pull the shade so my neighbors don't think that I'm watching porn. <laughs> They'll be confused as to see why there's women on screen. So maybe I should keep the shades up. Anyway, that was my TED Talk on the cancellation of... Of Benny Hill. My Ben talk. Ray, I did a lot of talking. Any thoughts? I've never thought of it that way before. Thanks, man. (laughs) And Benny Hill can do whatever he wants. He has a perfect right. And a perfect left. (laughs) Let's play a game. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. Mark Schroeder. Hi, guys. Believe it or not, I've actually seen quite a bit of Benny Hill. They used to play it on Comedy Central. Yes. Oh, wow. okay. They used to do re- reruns on Comedy Central, and I would catch it, like, trying to transition into, like, the movie Clue or something. <laughs> yes. Or, like, Airheads, when they only had, like, three things of programming. Oh, God. And I don't know how many I've seen, but they all just devolved into... Like seven men chasing a woman around on screen. <laughs> or seven women chasing a man. Usually at the end, Benny would screw something up and all the people would go and chase him. That's true, yeah. So the joke was always ultimately on him. But eventually, I was like, this is just women in distress a lot. <laughs> this seems... Anyway, so aside from that, we're not going to talk about the women that were chased around on the Benny Hill show. We're going to do a game called Head for the Hills. <laughs> okay. And you're going to stretch your calves and watch out for shin splints. Because we're doing some hill trivia. All my questions are related to hill in some way. Hills or hills. Hill or hills. Okay. Celebrities. Hills in general. Got it. Okay. So you're working together for this okay. one. Okay. Dustin Hoffman's children were friends with this comedic actor, which led to his first film role in the 2004 film I Heart Huckabees. Oh, Jonah Hill. That is correct, Jonah oh, Hill. Number two, he's the animated patriarch of the Hill family. Hank Hill. Hank Hill. That's absolutely right. A charming 1995 romp starring Hugh Grant. Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. No. The Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain. Yes, that's <laughs> correct. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> you get that one. The battle for Hamburger Hill was fought during this U.S. war. I think, was it Nam? It was Nam. It was old Nam. Really? The record for most Emmy nomination wins by a first-year show is nine and is held by the West Wing. Tied for second place <laughs> with eight Emmys each are NYPD Blue and this show. Hill Street Blues. Boom. Hill Street Blues. Rob was yes. waiting. When he you was... announced what this game was, Rob was like just holding onto the mic. Oh, man. Question number six. Survival horror video game made by Konami. Silent. 
Hill. Silent Hill. Question seven. The Hollywood Hills and Laguna Hills are two of the most affluent real estate spots in Southern California. But which hills are larger in terms of square miles? Let's go to Laguna Hills. Laguna Hills is a little smaller. Ah. Hollywood Hills is 7.05 square miles. And Laguna Hills is 6.57 square miles. A little I'm sorry, bit. Rob. Don't talk to me there for the rest of the day, Ray. God, I hate these ones. <laughs> She was the lead singer of the Fugees. Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill is right. Miseducated that one. This ice cream company, headquartered in Pennsylvania, is named for the number of titular birds once found in the area. Turkey Hill. Turkey Hill is right. Nice. Final question. If you were a student in the United States, chances are the majority of your textbooks were published by this learning company. McGraw-Hill. Yes, nice. that is correct. Rob Schneider, always reading the brand names and not the lesson. Congratulations. No, that's true. <laughs> published this knew nothing about algebra but mcgraw hill has eight different depots amazing amazing well done you two thank Thank you mark i'm sorry about that laguna hills one i feel so stupid remember i said don't talk to me now i'm going to chase you around the room to the benny hill music (laughs) (laughs) so folks if you remember the benny hill show um or and, and let us know where you weigh in on this on this debate is he the greatest comedian that England ever produced or the creepiest uh, comedian that England ever produced? I mean, I think this is just ready for reboot on OAN. That's actually true. Right? I wonder if they ever made like a Benny Hill biopic. Like... James Corden. James Corden. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Or Ricky Gervais. Maybe Ricky Gervais. Yeah. I could see him having enjoyed Benny Hill back in the day and that being like his like pet project. Ironically, screenplay by Ben Elton. So, folks, <laughs> once again, if you, if, if, you, if you remember the Benny Hill show or have any thoughts or comments or opinions about Benny Hill, let us know. Let us know. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, chaps. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cutcut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 